What's up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 50 of the Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Messi, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Bradford. Hello. Back from the grave. It, almost. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you cannot catch a break with that illness this year, huh? It's killing me. It's driving me crazy. Eventually, they're just going to take my tonsils out, so it's all good. <laughs> And then uh, replacing the general squeaky, the generally squeaky wheel that is Pixel Part this week is Mr. AJ McRae from Fanatics Four. Welcome to the show, AJ. Hi, hello. Am I welcome? Am I really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Are we going to be friends this time? I was on your show not that long ago. We were buddies. Then you said we weren't because I agreed it's about cause, it's cause certain Max, weird fruit things. Because because of Max and because you agreed with. Parker's insanity, you're not supposed to support that type of nonsense, dude. Yeah, but you're not supposed to support Max's nonsense. I, and just, I, I feel like this is the thing. I'm even killed with Max. Sometimes <laughs> Max is an idiot. Other times he makes points, you know? Sometimes he says smart things like Crash Bandicoot being garbage, you know? Oh my god. Oh we're, lord. We're, we're, we're not even five minutes into the show and you're already Coming in hustling hot. by Jimmy's. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta, you know, you gotta lay down the law right now. Yeah, man. <laughs> you gotta establish the brand early, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've worked with you guys a couple times in the past, but just in case uh, a listener isn't familiar with, with you guys and what you do, why don't you give the quick elevator pitch for Fanatics 4? We do two weekly video essay-like things about Nintendo news, Nintendo events, stuff that's going on, you know, new games, our brief thoughts, reviews sometimes if it's Pokemon, Sword and Shield, and pretty much nothing else. And we also have a podcast that we do every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time called Directly to You. Which both I and Max have been on multiple times, yep. so uh, go check that out. And I agreed, I mean, I, I invited the rest of the Loot Pots people. Nobody else reached out to me, so I'm taking it as a personal <laughs> attack, Steve. <laughs> hey, hey, oh come on! When I, when I'm not dying of mono, then I'll I'm happily come on to your show. You know what? No acceptable. <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So, uh, and and for those of you who are like longtime listeners, if you uh, are familiar with a little game we like to play on Slow Weeks called Name That Game, Parker is the the genius musician behind the many many themes of Name That Game. So, shout outs to Parker, uh, who unfortunately couldn't join us this week, but that's okay. We'll have him on sometime in the future. Yeah, one of these days when we get our Smash Bros. invite, that's when it happens. <laughs> So we've got a, a packed show for you this week with some more Pokemon talk. We're going to get into some Metroid rumors. We're going to answer your questions. But before that, let me just real quick remind you guys where you can go and support the show. If you are a new listener, uh, you know, go and give us a like on your platform of choice. Make sure you go and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you know when our weekly show goes live, uh, generally on Fridays, uh, as best we can manage it. And uh, if you want to connect with us all over the rest of the web, we are at LootPots. Anywhere you can find content about video games, we're at LootPots on Twitter. We got LootPots.com where you can go check out our news and reviews. We're on YouTube, YouTube.com slash LootPots, Twitch.tv slash LootPots. You know how this thing goes at this point. We're all over the internet making all kinds of good content for you. Uh, if you want to connect with us, uh, you can go and join our Discord channel where we've got an awesome little community of potsheads uh, just like you who are like all a Twitter about Pokemon right now. We're trading. We're battling. We're doing raids. So if you are looking for people to connect with and go and get that version exclusive that you're missing or to help fill out your decks, you need some breeding fodder, go join that community and connect with some of those fine folks uh, who you'll get to hear from later on. 
on in our main topic. So uh, if you want to write in like they did, you can hit us up in that Discord channel, get us over on Twitter when we throw out the weekly thread to, to collect questions, or by hitting me up at Pete at LootPots.com. Uh, last but not least, if you want to go above and beyond and show your show your support, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash loopots. And if you hit us at the $5 level, you'll get access to our weekly patron-exclusive show, After Dark, uh, which is just a hoot and a half. If you want to go check out the most recent episode, we talked about Steve's recent vacation. It was a blast. So that's, that's enough plugs. Let's talk about games. Yay! <laughs> so, AJ. Yes? Uh, this week, you've been playing uh, a game here. It says it's called Pokemon's Fancy Stick. You want to yep. talk about that a little bit? I've been playing Pokemon's Fancy Stick because everybody else is playing Pokemon Sword. Some people, a very small fraction of the world is playing Pokemon Shield. Uh, so I just decided <laughs> to be different, man, you know? So you went and got that, that third version exclusive. How did you get access to that? You know, me and, me and Nintendo were tight, dude. We're tight. <laughs> Best buds. <laughs> Hashtag Pokemon influencer, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, AJ, you are a big Pokemon fan a like huge myself. Huge Pokemon fan. So let's let's talk. What what's your what's your take on, on Shields or uh, on Sword, excuse me. Or I'm sorry, sorry, fancy stick. Yes. Uh what what's your what's your take on it so far? How are you enjoying like your time it in the gallery? Um a lot of people are torn on this game. I'm also torn, but in a different way. I don't know if I like this more than Heart Gold or not. I'm somewhere between I think I do and I think I don't. I don't know. So you think this might be your favorite? Yeah, though? like top top yeah. two. Definitely. But I'm not sure so which one's better. That's huge. Yes. Um, and I, I got to say, I'm not far off from that opinion. I think it's it definitely in the conversation uh, for best Pokemon game thus far. Um, I I just can't. I, I'm not I'm not sold on it yet either. I want to make sure I'm a little bit further away from it, but mm-hmm. I've got that Gen 4 bias just like you there. So uh, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it as much as I am. So, have you rolled credits and everything, or where are you? Yeah, I'm. Your I, I I completed the game. I'm almost done with the Pokedex. I have like thirty more Pokemon that I need to, nice. to get, which is like all evolutions. I have all the version exclusives I need and all that. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I'm in a pretty similar boat. I I rolled credits on it uh, a few nights ago, and I've been. Uh, doing the battle tower i'm starting to get my breeding fodder together so i can start putting together a competitive team for that december tourney and everything um are you gonna participate in that yeah definitely i i registered for it that's part of the reason why i made the video that i made today nice um yeah so why don't you plug that real quick actually um i made a video about making competitively viable teams in pokemon that uh digestible by like average players that don't know what an ev or an iv is but at the same time they don't want to get into all the little nitty-gritty stuff of like sure. battle this pokemon on this route to get this ev yield it's just like nah dude get get the vitamins this is how you get money to do that this is how you breed and going from there there you go and i know a lot of people in our discord uh a few of which have reached out to me like i know fowlers and even Pixelpar was looking for a nice little handy guide like that so uh, if you are still looking for something like that, this is your first time getting in a competitive, uh, there's a resource for you. Thanks, AJ. Yep. You're very welcome. So um, what what to you is the thing that's making you feel like this is a contender for your favorite Pokemon game? Like, what are the standout elements for you? It's all in the quality of life improvements. Because for me, other than just get growing tired of, ironically, the battle system being pretty much the same. Uh, they like they add stuff to it, but it's for all intents and purposes the same. 
um i like i like the fact that they make everything easier to train your pokemon you don't have to do all that other stuff and you can get straight to the good part you know um when you're playing chess you don't have to build your knight you know like you have all your pieces <laughs> yes. so i like the fact that they let you just have your pieces in place a lot sooner than you usually were in older games yeah they've, they've taken out a lot of the kind of like the chores mm -hmm. you know like just the the bullshit that keeps you between like actually practicing right you know and battling yeah which and, is and, and, you know and a lot of that stops you from trial and error really because like not many people are going to say want to say oh this team just doesn't work let me start over again like uh, let me just right. put another 20 hours into building another team or whatever right it's just like eh, i don't want to do that this team doesn't work i guess i'm done Right, yeah, exactly, and that's why, you know, I know, uh, I can speak personally, like, I've gravitated towards Pokemon Showdown in recent years yes. for that reason, you know, just because it's easier to put together a team and battle with other high-level players than, you know, having to go through all that bullshit and then have to find a matchmaking system, Right. you know, that's outside the game. So now that, like, not only is all of that in-game, there's also, like, a tournament system and everything that's going to be in place, it's like, okay, cool, like... There's there's an incentive for me to actually put in that time and effort again. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome, man. Um, so any like standout new Pokemon that are favorites for you right now? Uh, so like I said, I, I'm collecting the Pokemon. I was recently getting the uh, the um, version exclusives, and I still it's what is its name? It's the penguin with the ice ice on its head, ice skew or something like that. Oh, um. Oh jeez, I can't remember. It's something like that though. That one. That's my favorite one because it's so stupid. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, this is this is the one. I like Toxel and uh Toxtricity at first and I was like, this is my favorite Pokemon. And then I saw that and I was like, nope, nope, this one. I like that. <laughs> the hell is his Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, it's like Ice Cube. Okay. Yeah, he is adorable. <laughs> I'm disappointed he doesn't evolve. I want him to evolve into like a burly, like monstrous <laughs> kaiju or something. <laughs> but he's he's fine the way he is. I don't mean that. I don't mean to belittle him and make him feel bad about himself. You know? <laughs> he's a very special boy. Yes, true. Awesome. Uh, so Steve, you were sick. So you didn't play Pokemon, and I, I got no. I'm sad. I'm sad. I'd, I'd ordered it for collection at a store called argos in the uk so you like go on the website you can order for collection you go pick it up and i just couldn't drive to the store to go get it and i just haven't got <laughs> it since so yeah i haven't i haven't played pokemon um my friend at work's got pokemon shield i've seen him playing some of it um i'm not 100 percent sold i think don't, i don't know if it's gonna be for me like yeah, and hearing me. you guys talk about it again that makes it seem like it's not gonna be for me the thing i loved about I just loved about Let's Go was just catching Pokemon. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about battling. I didn't care about leveling them up. I didn't care about doing any of that stuff. All I wanted to do was just have a nice time catching Pokemon. I mean, but man, then you can do that. You too. head to the wild area. Yeah, yeah. that wild area is perfect. See, I didn't that. even. I, spent... I didn't even get into that when I. That's what I'm saying. When I first started playing this game, like playing through the story, like the story is probably like if you if you mainline the story, you could probably beat it in like what 10, 15 hours. Yeah, Closer, I would say fifteen hours. 15. Um, yeah. but 
I took an additional like 20, 30 just because the wild area is there and I was getting distracted by that because the wild area turns Pokemon into a Monster Hunter game. It's like, okay, okay I got to go through and do these max raids so I can get these uh, like XL candies and regular candies and all that stuff. And then that, again, I mean, if you don't care about making your Pokemon better, that kind of disincentivizes the, the incentive to do it, you know? But like if you just like catching Pokemon, max raid battles are the thing you know yeah like honestly i think this is the mainline pokemon game that would speak the most to you if that's what you like the best because Mm -hmm. i know like uh in my review that i'm writing right now uh which ideally by the time you're listening to this is already published and you've read it uh but if not you know go check it out lupas.com um when you when you edit it steve you'll see like i said i I spent the first six hours of my playtime in the wild area just exploring and catching pokemon and not advancing the story because I was like, oh, I got to I gotta explore all the nooks and crannies. I got to go buy more balls and catch more Pokemon. Ideally, would you want more of the wild area or, or less? Oh, yeah. Of it? That is, like, uh, my biggest complaint with it is that the as much as this game is a major step forward for a Pokemon game, the fact that all of the best things about it, I have to add the caveat for a Pokemon game is the thing that frustrates me. Yeah. Okay. Is that like this open the open area is awesome. It's such a it's such a good move. I, I think it's well executed. I enjoyed the hell out of it. However, I wish it was bigger. I wish there was more. I wish that that was like, you know, I wish the game was twice as big and took and took twice as long and that there was like three or four big ass areas like that to explore, you know? To me, it feels like a lot of this game is, I mean, in my opinion, what it should have been in the sense that they're figuring it out. Like, this is Game Freak's first yes. ever major console game, let alone major HD RPG console game, right? Like, they're go- the last full-on Pokemon game that they made was on the 3DS, which is a 240p console. That's lower resolution than the GameCube. <laughs> you know so like for people yeah. to expect them to have like go from that to a full hd like no hitches at all big open world game is kind of, it's kind of unrealistic imo especially when you take into consideration like the the development cycle of pokemon yeah. games and that's the real problem right. right like if they had six years to make this game like i knew Miss team did with breath of the wild mm-hmm. we would we would get that game right you know like but when you think about the fact that Pokemon is a series that advances, you know, glacially. Yeah. Um, that's something that like, you got to look at the trees for the forest on this one and see that like, this is a big step forward and that it's if, and I think it is an indication of where we're going, then we're going in the right direction, Mm -hmm. you know, because for my money, this game is more challenging than it's been in years. Mm -hmm. Still too easy, yes. but more challenging than it's been. Right. Limits a, a hell of a lot of the tutorialization, mm-hmm. which it could do, do even more. But hey, it's a huge, huge step in the right direction where you can skip 90% of the tutorials mm-hmm. right away and get to the action. And they have opened the game up more than ever in terms of letting you off the leash and letting you go do the the wild area and advance the game at whatever pace you feel like is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And like that, those are all things that I need and want to see from Pokemon. And if they see the reaction of those things has been positive, which they have, and they continue to double down on them, I think we're going to get closer and closer to that 
that game, right? You know mm-hmm. that that we want. In in terms of difficulty, how how much more difficult is it than say Pokemon Let's Go, which is the game I've had most experience with, considering the last Pokemon game I played was on like the original Game Boy. I never ever bothered leveling up or training or anything, but I could smash anyone in within seconds because for some reason my Pokemon managed to get really high level, and I have no idea how it happened. So it's definitely a lot harder than that, but not a lot, a lot harder than that, which is a super convoluted thing. But like it's I wouldn't say that this game is on the level of what I would expect from like a standard JRPG, right? Like it's not necessarily the difficulty level that you would see in like, you know, uh, Bravely Default on hard or something like that or, you know, like or even like Fire Emblem, whatever, like it's it's still easier than your standard turn-based RPG, but it's not the same level of, like, Baby Town Frolic's hand-holding because, like, in the Wild Area, for example, the first Pokemon I ever ran into was an Onix that was over two times the, the mm-hmm. strength of anything on my team, you know? So, like, that was a situation where if I didn't have a Pokedoll and I couldn't have run away, like, my whole team would have got wiped by this super powerful Pokemon. Or if I wandered into the wrong section of that open map, which you can do right from the beginning, you're going to encounter nothing but Pokemon that eclipse your level and just bop you, you know? Um, However, there is also the thing of, like, every route that you go on, there's only, like, maybe three or four trainers, and after almost every major segment like that, a character, whether it's your rival or the professor or whoever, like, is like, oh, here, I'll, I'll heal your Pokemon for you. You know? So, like, it, like it's definitely tougher, and there were multiple t- times where, like, I had to actually use genuine strategy to win a battle. I had to make sure I had items so that I wasn't, you know, if I wanted to stay out in the field and catch Pokemon without having my team get wiped, you know, and have to keep going back and forth, like, you know, that's something I haven't had to do in a really long time in Pokemon, it feels like, you know, since Gen 4 or 5. So, like, it's definitely a step back in that direction of, like, making a game that's more well-rounded and that, like, asks something of its players rather than absolutely nothing um but i would still love to see a true difficulty scale on pokemon and i know that that was something they kind of dabbled with in black and white but like that clearly needs to come back you know when there's an audience out there of like people like me and aj that have been diehard players who've played every game and it's like i just want tougher ai because now that i'm at like the battle tower like i'm getting my clock cleaned with some of the higher level See, like that's, post-game see but that's the thing. That's the thing where I have this complicated relationship with when people say Pokemon needs to be harder or Pokemon's easier or whatever. I don't think it's possible to make Pokemon actually hard. Like, I feel like what a lot of people say means to me more so more convoluted and uh, obnoxious, for lack of a better term. Because, like, higher levels and and all other stuff that doesn't make it harder that just means i gotta grind longer which means i'm just putting more time in for the sake of it um ah see i don't agree because like there there's definitely a difference between the level of ai that you see on top level npcs and the bullshit low level people right and see uh I was going to get to that point where I agree that the AI needs to be smarter. I think that's the only real way that they can make it harder. 
because raising a level level cap doesn't really accomplish that. But if the AI knows, oh wait, your Pokemon's strong against mine. Let me switch to this one, or let me have this like uh, counter move for your Pokemon, where like, oh yeah, I'm a Rock type, but you didn't know I had this attack. You know, it's like it, right. it doesn't. And that way, they could make it harder. I don't think higher levels accomplishes that really though. No, I would I would want to see the like if you put it on hard, the enemy AI is just turned up and it strategizes better mm-hmm. and that they have more pokemon in their party. Right. Yeah. Or yeah, that yeah. there are more or that there are more trainers. Mm-hmm. Like either or, you know, so yeah. that like I don't walk down cuz like I you think back to like Gen 1, mm-hmm. right? And there's that that uh that road in Cerulean you go up and you have to fight like 10 trainers in a row. Mm-hmm. Like there's not one moment like that in this game until the very end. Yeah. You know, when you're going up the champion's path and you have to fight like four trainers in a row and there's no heals and then it's like, okay, cool, you're there. So it's like... I, and the problem with that, the problem with something like that, that road and let's go was I could swap my Pokemon out in between those battles. Yeah. Like I could, I could have them faint and, and disappear. Whereas back in the day, originally I would have had to have gone to the PC and swap my Pokemon out. And even that, see, that there is again where i come up against and say that that's not hard <laughs> it's not hard to say like oh shoot my pokemon fainted let me run back to the pokemon center <laughs> like mm-hmm. it, it's just taking more time but it usually means you have to start that road again and the, the trainers find you again it whereas pre- not in pokemon no not if you beat not yeah like beat it, even it like the only time if that you, you have to start over again is in the elite four but if uh the the part that he's talking about like the uh the nugget bridge and like that whole situation yeah in between those battles you can still go back to the pokemon center mm-hmm. the only thing that they're doing is removing the friction of having to physically having to go, go yeah. to the pokemon center which i have no yeah. problem with. i have a problem I, with the difficulty but them taking the monotony out of it is fine with that's the thing is i think i think there's a big difference between like like if you do that right it's not monotony it's challenge Mm. you know because if i'm in you know like an open area or not an open area but say i'm on like a route Mm -hmm. right and there's several trainers and there's a bunch of new pokemon that i want to catch right it becomes an inconvenience to have to keep running back and forth to the pokemon center Mm -hmm. so that as a player encourages you to be like okay cool i should make usage of the tools that are available to me like revives like potions like you know, whatever, um, or like repels if I want to avoid the Pokemon and just deal with the trainers. Like all of those things are items that have become incre- increasingly irrelevant because the battles are too easy. Mm. Your Pokemon never faint, and an NPC heals them for you every fucking five minutes. Mm. You know, so like that—that that is like really, like I don't want. I'm glad that they've in- introduced all these quality of life changes to make the game less monotonous. Right. But I also think that in their effort to make it more like accessible, they've removed too much of the difficulty. And in this game, I think if you if you aren't somebody who's going into every patch of grass and trying to catch multiple Pokemon and everything like that, you can just roll through mm. some of these routes. You know, yeah. like you fight three or four trainers, somebody heals your Pokemon, you're in the next place, run to the gym, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And like if that's how you want to play, that's cool. But like for me, I loved that I was having to actually work to catch the Pokemon in every route because they were high level. They were actually like had good move sets and were screwing up my team if I wasn't prepared with items, you know, and I didn't want to keep backtracking. So I was like, oh shit, I'm actually gonna have to spend my money, you know, and like actually manage my resources, which is something that I used to have to do. Mm -hmm. So I step in the right direction there. I want to just see more of that, you know, and I just need, I just need the AI to be smarter. Like I, I, I don't know if, 
I like I, I see where you're coming from, but I don't think the solution is what they used to do, or even some level of what they used to do, where it's just throwing a bunch of Pokemon and trainers at you. Uh, I think just the AI being smart, like in the Battle Tower, where it's like, oh, this trainer clearly EV trained uh, on some level. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, dude. Like they it may not be perfectly EV trained, but they invested something in there. Um, if they if there's more of that, then for sure, uh, I think that's a better solution. And I think that would strike the balance I'm looking for too, right? Like if it was like, oh, there's four trainers on every route, but they all have six Pokemon that are have items and mm-hmm. are like have right. good move sets and they actually have good AI, then it's like, all right, cool. You're you're achieving the same end. Right. Right? Where like I have to work mm-hmm. to progress. Right. And that's what I want. Yeah. You know, I don't want to grind, but I want to have to work. Exactly. To Agree. Completely agree. Yeah. You played Game Freak's other game right before this one, Pete. Little Town Hero. Yeah. How does it compare graphically how does it compare in terms of performance? How does it comp- do you think any of the features they added into town, any of the f- the play, could have come into Pokemon? Um, I so in terms of how they compare, I would say they really don't like town. Little Town Hero is like pretty charming in its art style and stuff, but technically it's got a lot of issues, and that was I think the thing I called out about it the most mm-hmm. in my criticism is that like it doesn't run very well. Like, you know, and not that it, like, crashes a lot. It's just janky, you know? Like, it has mistakes that you don't expect from a developer of Game Freak's uh, lineage, right? Where, like, musical hearts stop during a battle and then restart. Or, like, you know, there'll be frame dips when I'm trying to spin the camera. The camera's terrible. Like, all that kind of stuff. And Pokemon doesn't have... I won't say any of those problems, but not many of those problems. I think its biggest issues are like optimization stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, where like in the you're there's some frame dips in the wild area, especially if you're online and there's all the trainers on screen running around. Like that can definitely like get you some stutters or whatever. Um, there are some of the textures that that look kind of harsh, like the trees that everybody was calling out, and like. Um, one or two of the Pokemon, I noticed there were, like, parts that, like, the shading was, like, a little bit rough and stuff like that. So, yeah, like, it's in. not a game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, it's, like, it's not a game without flaw, but I definitely don't think it's anything that's as significant as, like, what its detractors were trying to make it out to be prior to release mm-hmm. or to what I saw in Little Town Hero, which, like, felt like a game that was rushed. Whereas, I don't feel like this game feels rushed. I feel like it feels like there were corners cut because their eyes were bigger than their development time. Well, some of those corners I spoke about with you on Slack, like I've been following Imran Khan on Twitter, who's been calling some of those corners out. The biggest, the biggest one that made me laugh that he posted on Twitter. Cause I haven't played the game at all, but there's like some section where it looks like someone's singing and they've just oh, like yeah, recorded yeah. no audio for it whatsoever. But it looks like there should be some like audio playing for that section of the game. And it's like just completely omitted. Yeah, Whether it's a bug yeah. or they just didn't do it, I don't know. There's a lot of uh, that in this game. And before it came out, uh, there was a lot of speculation of, like, is there voice acting in this game? Because they have lip flaps. Like, the the characters emote and, and they look like they're speaking, but they're not. <laughs> and Omori yeah. um, said that it just was something that they didn't do because they didn't feel like it was, like, Pokemon, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. Same line of thinking that was had for breath of the wild i mean before zelda before breath of the wild came out 
Um, so I don't know. Maybe we gotta wait another ten years before they put voice acting <laughs> in Pokemon. <laughs> the tenth Pokemon console game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, with stuff like that, I I think that's one of the things I dinged it for in my review too. Is that there are definitely just like corners cuts with like asset placement and stuff like that. Where like in the first big city, there's like multiple record stores and they all have the same piece of dialogue when you look at them or like your rival repeats the same dialogue several times in the beginning of the game or like your first couple battles with them, you know, or like, like the hotel, um, they literally have a hotel that's copy and pasted. It's the same exact hotel. And then it just yeah. has like some people that are vaguely different. Um, yeah and different pokemon inside and stuff yeah and it's like yeah okay cool but yeah it's the same thing so it's like they're they're or like in the the wild area like you interact with like the same three or four npcs like over and over again mm-hmm. you know and like stuff like that so like there's definitely moments like that where you're just kind of like okay like th- this is this is what people are talking about yeah. right mm-hmm. this is why people are frustrated this is why the annualization of pokemon is is really the problem right. is that there's not enough time to give tender love and care to make a million different npcs that all look different and ha- you know like there just isn't that time cuz they have a fucking like two year dev cycle on these things and they have to come up with a hundred new pokemon and then make all the stuff it's hard for me to like feel like i identify with the people making those complaints because like on one end i've been saying all this stuff for years dude that's half of our youtube channel is me being like hey what if pokemon was like better though um but (laughs) and instead of this being a thing of like uh game freak not being good or whatever like whatever the narrative is now right it's just that the things that we accepted on 3DS and never said anything or to, or regular DS or Game Boy Advance or Game Boy, all that stuff, like the trainer classes, the fact that there's trainers that literally all look the same. Some of them might have different hair colors. That's been a thing for the past eight generations. It's not new to Switch, you know? Um, so it's just like, I don't know. I feel like if somebody would have said something sooner, <laughs> they would have prioritized that more. And say, like, okay, our trainers should look different, you know? And, and like, I get where you're coming from on that, but I feel like when you think about, like, this is the game, the first game on the Switch, and they have that new power where, like, those same excuses don't really, like, fly for me anymore. Because, like, you said it yourself earlier, the last full-fledged game that they made was on the 3DS, which is, like, less powerful than the fucking GameCube. Right. So, like... I See, I agree with that. But my problem isn't a power thing. It's more so of a uh, a priority thing. They feel like that's not important to people because they never said anything. It's not like the the Game Boy Advance is powerful enough to have more palette swaps than they do, you know? And the yeah. DS and the Nintendo 3DS, they could do more with character diversity and all that stuff than they have. But because it's became... Uh, a staple it, like Omori was saying about the voice acting thing because people say things like and this is like the comment that's the most prominent or at least was before Pokemon Sword and Shield came out on our channel is that wouldn't be a Pokemon game it's just a game with Pokemon in it you know like people get used to those conventions and get used to those corners being cut because that makes it a Pokemon game uh random encounters right that for so long it's not a Pokemon game unless it has random encounters but that changes once they change it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think I, I think we're at a point where pe- people are just expecting more of Pokemon now. 
and I think rightfully so. And I, I, I they're in a tough spot because I don't think that they're going to change the annualization the annualization of it because it's making a ton of money and it's working for them. And there's a whole marketing machine behind Pokemon that has nothing to do with Game Freak. But couldn't games. couldn't they work on the next gen while they do another Let's Go and like a Ultra Sun and Moon style for Sword and Shield? Exactly what it's going to have to take is people acknowledging that beforehand. Like I was saying, like, say before Switch on 3DS, hey, this has been a thing for so long, let's not do this again. (laughs) And then they know, okay, instead of doing our regular cycle of three years for the generation and then doing the whole, like, whatever shift they do on the next generation of consoles or next generation of games on the same console, uh, let's do more. And go in knowing that we need to do that so they have to extend what's going on. So here, instead of it being a three-year cycle, they can extend out Sword and Shield to be in a six-year or even five, you know, and take more time on Gen 9. Yeah, I mean, that's what I want to see because I think, to your point, Steve, like, that's what they need to do. But to do that, they need to build out additional teams or they need to bring in additional talent, right? Like, I think Creatures did a lot of the work on, like, Detective Pikachu and it's like... But they did it entirely and they're working on the sequel to Detective Pikachu. But they could, like, I think they could offload Let's Go on, like, that could become a franchise itself of, of, like, side games and give that to another studio and just say, right, you guys go away we've done red and blue now go and do gold and silver right yeah and then maybe you have like the junior team at game freak like work on the you know the sequel like the ultra sun and moon or the third jet like whatever path they're gonna keep taking that you know um and then maybe another proper like throwback game in those same engines and then that right there would give you a four-year cycle where there's a new pokemon game every year but the main Game Freak team that develops the new stuff can spend four years developing a Pokemon game rather than two. And even if they staff up beyond that and take people from the junior team and say, okay, you guys take Let's Go, but also we'll give you some new employees for you to help train up to work on the next thing that will then later right. become the new junior team and then you know work people up laterally so that yeah. the, the main team becomes bigger over time so that the games can grow with it it's just like you think about what's the other major franchise that's annualized right now that's like survived annualization it's call of duty and there are three development studios that make call of duty games and huge ones huge ones yeah we're talking thousands like per game you know of people that are doing a whole bunch of different things they made a big deal out of uh pokemon just as a property not sword and shield like people took it as they said a thousand people worked on this, but it's not a thousand developers worked on it. Right. It's a thousand people working on the brand of that rollout of this generation. Yeah, marketing, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, how long do you think, though, that they could, like, give a mainline Pokemon games a life cycle to last? Like, I look at, say, Blizzard, for example, and how long Overwatch has survived before they had to announce a sequel, and the amount of content they were able to pump into that game for free for everyone. Why can't pokemon do the same thing i think they can you release a game and you like batch go we've added a new pokemon there's an event happening there's this going on because because i i i don't think that works for the pokemon marketing machine because it's it's that issue that i've talked about in the past right where like when a new pokemon generation is happening that's 
two video games that come out and sell millions of copies and then they make a whole new set of cards and then they make a new anime and they make a bunch of new toys and a bunch of plushies and a bunch of new t-shirts and a fashion brand and all this crap that sells millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of merchandise. And if you have a game, like a Pokemon game, right, and they just keep putting new stuff out, it's not a moment in that same way. And you can't market around it the same way, you know, because there's not a new region with new Pokemon and new characters for Ash to go fuck off in again. And, you know, all that stuff needs to keep happening. I think... I think with the new cycle of the anime, it's kind of the perfect way for them to do that. Because the whole thing is about him going to different regions. He's not just supposed to be in one region all the time. I don't even think he's starting in the Gala region. So if they were to do that and want to expand it and make it a longer thing, they could still have that thing of like, oh, well, this part of the season, he's in Kanto. And then he's going to go to Sinnoh, you know, that's marketing the remakes, you know, like that whole thing and have him go from place to place to place. Um, And now that we have things like DLC and stuff like that, they can still do a major release. They can do a, a Xenoblade Chronicles Torna sort of situation and release like a mini sword and shield dlc pack with all the pokemon back and maybe another mini region you know like a sevy island sort of situation sure charge 30 40 dollars for it and there you go and still give the development team the time to work on a new thing you know the the thing that's interesting too is i wonder how the pricing model changing is going to impact development Mm -hmm. because like are they going to care as much about making a Pokemon game every year when you're making, uh, what is it, like a 30% increase, right? It's going from being a $40 game to a $60 game. Like, and especially when you consider that a lot of people, myself included, buy both versions. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, you know, from your diehard fans, that's $120 that you're getting instead of 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a lot, you know? Um, And I, I wonder how that, impacts their ability to scale up and bring on more people and have a longer dev cycle like we're talking about right yeah i think i think it'll it can have a big effect i think people expected it to have that impact immediately but i don't think especially like a company like game freak and a company like nintendo where they're conservative i don't think that they're yeah going to make those changes off the promise of increased revenue they're going to see the increased revenue and then say oh okay we'll do it now <laughs> you know yeah i think you're right any other questions you got for us steve no not really i mean i just on the whole where do you see this fitting? I know AJ said maybe it's like number one Pokemon. You've but you've said Pete that you also have an affinity for Gen Four. What is that? What is it about Gen Four that is hard to beat? Concept. I think Gen Four was the real peak of of the franchise for me because it was when competitive battling became what it is now. Uh, it was when you saw the rise of like Smogan one on one, like that era, like that community, like really coming up, and that was huge, you know. And it it really represented a major shift in the way the game was played because you know every generation they added something, and we had gotten hidden abilities and and natures and stuff in Gen three, but it wasn't until uh, Gen four where like we got the physical special split and all these other things that really like up the ante 
And I think that was also at a time where the games felt more challenging and there were more secrets to discover. And it was before they introduced all of that hand-holding that became so emblematic of Pokemon in on the 3DS. You know, where it's like in Sun and Moon, you walk every five feet and there's a cutscene telling you what to do. You know, or in uh, Gen uh, 5, or not 5, in 6, in X and Y, where like you have this cast of characters that are just like shackled to you, following you around, and you're just like constantly trying to fucking get through these cutscenes. You know, like like 4 was the peak of adding depth to the game and before they had really, really committed to sanding off the edges. And what about the gimmicks of this game? Dynamaxing, Gigantamaxing, how is all that stuff playing out for you guys? I think uh, in some way it accomplished what they wanted to by making more Pokemon viable. Like now people are using Ditto again. Like that's not something that was (laughs) happening recently. Um, So for – and. I mean, that those are two separate things. Ditto's not really a thing that they're using because of Dynamaxing, but because of Dynamaxing, they're saying, oh, okay, you're going to do that, so I'm going to switch to that thing, and I'm faster than you because I have this Ditto with these EVs mm-hmm. invested in all that stuff, um, and then they'll go for there. Uh, so in some way, it's it's making more Pokemon more useful. So it's less of a thing of like everybody having the same team, more or less. Um, but at the same time, it still feels like a gimmick. It still feels like a thing of like, well... Like, that's not going to mean I'm putting Pichu on my team just because I can Dynamax it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely a gimmick, but I, I think it's its use has justified its existence for me. Mm. Like, I think Max Raid Battles are a really welcome addition yeah, to the game. Too. They're a, a great way to break up the way you spend your time. There's a huge incentive to use them because they help you catch rare Pokemon earlier. Uh, it gets you access to a lot of great items. Like, I don't like it in universe like as a thing in pokemon lore because it's still fucking dumb but at, gameplay wise i don't hate it i i don't know what the the lore is how have they fit that in you always have to play the game and find out yeah. <laughs> is it ridiculous uh, yeah it's stupid yeah um, i mean <laughs> as dumb as anything else in pokemon honestly yeah yeah a, a little bit more it's kind of it's it's kind of it's kind of i don't know man i don't know how to feel about it <laughs> now that i think about it's it. pretty it's pretty dumb it's pretty dumb but uh but i but i like i like the reasons that it's there yeah because like it's there and it feels less like a gimmick for a gimmick's sake than a gimmick for a gameplay innovation mm-hmm. and that's a trade i'm willing to make yeah I just thought like that you went to Epcot recently. How much does it feel like walking around a fake version of the UK? Because it's obviously like what Japan thinks of the UK. Even though I know their lead Pokemon designer is British, it's like, uh... yeah. Um, are there red phone boxes everywhere? Not everywhere, but in the London. <laughs> okay, yeah, of course. Place there are. Uh, so it's like I feel like I feel like it's a good mix because I feel like there are things that feel true to British culture, like mm-hmm. the soccer fans being like insane and stuff, like and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but like then there are other moments that are like super super like oi gov yeah. like kind of. There, shit, you know? like of, it's, it's, it feels so <laughs> weird that certain characters speak like that because like I'll see Nessa. And then she'll start talking. I'm like, wait, oh, okay, I forgot. This is like a UK thing. Everybody's British. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, like, and there's like weird stuff that like, like, there's a, a time where you're you're 
<laughs> rival says that you're like pants at something. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's stuff where it's like, all right, like this is actually like representative of how people talk on some level. Yeah. And then there's other stuff that's very much like it feels like like goofy, like Oliver Twist Cockney. <laughs> you know, like whatever. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you and Pixel about it. Like, cause I that I've been I don't know, because obviously like I feel like even as much as I've learned about the UK, my own view of it is still skewed. So, like, I'm like, yeah, this feels authentic-ish. You yeah, know? Okay. I heard a British person right. say yeah. that on TV once, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's let's move into the let's uh let's move into the news. Uh, so yeah, so first item on the news list this week. It's a short, short list this week, thankfully, because we went we went a little long on that pokey chat. But that's what's what I brought you in here for, AJ. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, but we're keeping on the Pokemon news because the Pokemon Company is coming after Sword and Shield leakers uh, with lawsuits. So, whew, thank God we didn't leak anything this time <laughs> around, huh, boys? <laughs> that's true. That's true. The most interesting thing that came from this for me is is that they found out where the leaks stemmed from which was like the strategy guide and they know exactly what period of time the strategy guide was it'd be able to take someone was able to take photos of it because everyone had to like give their cell phones over if they went into a room that had the book and sign ndas and stuff but they like got it down to a, a specific period of time that they were able to go in and, and take pictures of it and then put post them on discord and fortune the like they're like serve uh serving subpoenas to Discord mm-hmm. servers and stuff. <laughs> it's wild, yeah. dude. Yeah, they're they're not kidding around. Um so yeah, it's it's uh they they're <laughs> they wrote that the leaks caused irreparable injury to Pokemon and that the company is entitled to damages and an amount to be proven at trial. And it's just like I don't know what the hell. Like I, I get wanting to do this to like send a message to be like, don't leak our fucking games, <laughs> but it's like <laughs> What do you think you're going to sue these people for? They got no money. I'm sure they're a bunch of just regular people. <laughs> hey, man. They have houses. <laughs> Apparently, according to Eurogamer, in the legal document, um, the Pokemon company noted how it had performed background checks on all the employees that had access to the strategy guides. Contractors had to sign NDAs. And all physical copies of the books were hidden under tops, and no one was allowed to bring cameras or smartphones in. Uh, but they apparently have narrowed it down to a 15-hour window between the 1st and 2nd of November when a smartphone was used to take the pictures from a guidebook. Wild. They've done some crazy wild. detective work to find out who this is, and yet still don't know and still have to do subpoenas to 4chan. And 4chan I are just going to tell them to get lost. <laughs> I can't imagine going through all of that to do, like, to do this. You know, like, I really can't. I can't imagine, like, being like, all right, I signed this NDA... It's totally traceable that I was here and that, like, there's a finite number of people that did this. And I'm going to sneak under a tarp, take a bunch of, like, shitty pictures of the strategy guide, and then start leaking stuff on 4chan. It's like, why? What incentive why? do you get for it? Like, you don't get any money. You, you just get, get to ha- Yeah, you, you just clout, get the- But you don't even get the clout because you can't even say to anyone, <laughs> I was the person that put it on 4chan. Yeah! Because then the Pokemon company's coming after you. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's not even like like... Like, it'd be one thing if it was, like, somebody, you know, like, I don't you know, know like... You're not Pixel posting a picture of the water of, of Pokemon Let's Go and saying this is what it's going to look like. Because that's what he yeah. did. 
Right, and and like <laughs> he turned that into having clout and having a website and stuff. These people are just putting this shit on 4chan. <laughs> and they went like, because he, like you said, was like, uh, oh, here's some pictures of like the logo and like the water and like not like, here's the entire strategy guide, you know? Like, that's like how you get a boot stuck on your neck, man. <laughs> <laughs> new theory, new theory. They're also upset. They were the originators of Dexit, dude. They were mad. They definitely were. They were like, hey, <laughs> why didn't you put Trico in this game? I'm upset. <laughs> Yo, I, I I, am definitely of that opinion on some level that, like, the 4chan crowd definitely had a concerted effort to, like, hate on this game. You know, all that graphic Game Freak lied, like, all that stuff. It's like, come on, man. You can so see where that's coming from. I mean, Trico's a pretty cool Pokemon, dude. To be fair. Yo, Avenge the Fallen. All the starters, <laughs> man. All the starters. Hey, except for Gen 1 and Gen 7. They're coming back 2020. <sighs> Eventually. Uh, all right, so moving right along off of the Pokemon news for a little bit. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and Rogue are both coming to Switch December 6th. Um, there, you know, not too much other news here to that other than Black Flag is, like, dope. Like, I am so over Assassin's Creed, but I have always had a soft spot for Black Flag. That is uh, a top-tier game, and it's super easy to just do the pirate stuff and not really focus on the Assassin stuff that much. So I had a lot of fun with that game, so I, th- I threw it on the list. You know what? All uh, I want to know is where, where Skull and Bones is. Oh, yeah, th- that never came out, did it? Nope. <laughs> I thought I thought it came out and was just like not important, but no, no it's still not out. It was delayed, and they haven't said when it's gonna come. Seven point eight, too much water, dude. You know, that's my opinion <laughs> on Black Flag. Cool. So that's all the love we got for Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. No, no hot take. Right, either cool, of, have either of you played any of them on Switch? No. no. Why would I ever? I played the third one on Wii U. <laughs> oh wow! Damn. <laughs> That's a true Nintendo fan. I know, right? It was a launch title, and I had the Wii U, and I was like, I mean, I might as well get the games that are coming out on this day. Sure, why not? I told, <laughs> th- th- This was a whole story on our podcast when I was, like, pretty much every game that I bought. I bought everything but the Rated E games, so all of the games that I had were Rated M. <laughs> like, every single one of them. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is an interesting experience for a Nintendo launch. Okay, <laughs> you know, like, didn't see this coming. I was like, fine, I guess. <laughs> Get the good stuff, eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got Nintendo Land in the box, right? True, that too, that too. All right, so moving right along, uh, this is our last item on the news list this week. There are some Metroid rumors making the rounds today, and uh, or yesterday at this point. And, you know, we don't, it depends on the quality of rumor, whether we comment on them, but it's a slow news week, so we're going to throw them out there. Uh, so at Leaky Pandy over on Twitter, which is uh, you know like a leak kind of collective, um, they they threw this tweet up that started making the rounds. Uh, Nintendo is planning two new Metroid titles that will release in the next two fiscal years, respectively. One is a re-release of Metroid Tri- Prime Trilogy HD. The second one is a Super Metroid remake that mimics Samus Returns in style and scope. So, what do you guys think about this? What do you think about the the you know likelihood that this is true and if it is d- does that do anything for you i don't know how much i believe this because the first half of it like usually with fake rumors right 
they they start with low hanging fruit that everybody was already on board for, <laughs> which would be the Metroid Prime trilogy HD. Everybody was like, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. And then they try to seed something else that's like semi believable, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of out of left field. So like. Everybody's like, yeah, we want more 2D Metroid games. Uh, Samus Returns was cool. Let's get another one of those on Switch. That'd be great. So, like, I, I don't know if I believe it. I think it's probably BS. I think that parts of it might be true. Maybe all of it's true. But I don't know if it's coming from... I, mean, I don't know if it's a thing that is accurate and just, like, a guess that is, like, whatever. Like, something that we would make a YouTube video about, and then three three years later, they it, it just happens. That didn't mean we had inside sources. That just means that we said something that made sense, and they made it. <laughs> sure. What about you, Steve? Uh, I agree with that, AJ. I think the first half is something that has been rumored for a long time. It was, it was it's rumored to have, it was meant to have been announced. The Metro Prime Trilogy was meant to have been announced at the Game Awards last year, according to people like Imran Khan. But, um, We've also had multiple sources close to us confirm that yes, they that like, we we knew it existed, and we've had multiple people from different sources confirm that it exists and that it is you know like on ice for now. And then the Super Metroid remake. I mean, maybe, but isn't it just gonna? Is isn't Super Metroid already? It's already on the SNES games anyway why would they yeah. release that and then release a remake very very shortly after i mean uh i don't i don't know if that means anything honestly because like you're right it is available but like a remake of that game would sell a lot and like it's not like nintendo doesn't do that all the time right like yeah sure it's available there but like we just had a very profitable remake of link's awakening it's, it's not really the same like the samus returns remake it wasn't like Let's do a totally different visual, like let's let's take the game and do it in a totally different format. It was still a two D game. It didn't feel that different. It wasn't like a cool cutesy style. It still felt like a Metro game. Yeah, but it was taking a game that was an eight bit Game Boy game and giving yeah. it the. This know, would be fresh... taking a sixteen bit game and then maybe making it look like a like a two two point five D game. Yeah. I, yeah, I also but, don't know if Link's Awakening being cutesy is all that new. Like, the original game was kind of cutesy, you just pixelated, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's just a matter of, like, could they do that same thing, right? Could they take Super Metroid, give it a, a fresh coat of paint, and give it some quality of life changes, and sell the crap out of it? And I think the answer is probably yes. Wouldn't people want a new... Wouldn't people rather have a new 2D Metroid? I Potentially... But, like, you could also make that same argument about Zelda. Like, wouldn't people rather just have a new top-down Zelda? Maybe, but Link's Awakening sold, like, 10 million copies. So, I think like, that's probably because tons of people didn't play the original Link's Awakening exa- when it was out on Game Boy. Exactly, though. Because most people haven't played most Metroid games. So but for that's this true, Metroid, too! But this Metroid's already available on Switch. Link's yeah, Awakening but wasn't. Most kids old are not old, exactly. Though. Most kids, if you give them the SNES games and you're like, "Hey, play this old game that's really great," they're like, eh, "This doesn't look as good as Minecraft." They're not playing this. Are you dumb? <laughs> and and I think I think aside from just like the modernization of it in art style and music and all that stuff, like there, if you've never played the original 
Link's Awakening, I don't think you realize how many quality of life changes were made to that game in terms of like giving you four button maps so that you can use all the items at once or like the fact that there's like a thing that catalogs the clues so that you're not totally just fucking lost if you forget something or whatever. Like those are all things that like they could make those kinds of tweaks to a game like Super Metroid and expose it to a whole new audience, like myself included. Like, I've never played Super Metroid, and yeah, I could go play it on my Super Nintendo Classic or on the Super Nintendo, you know, app on my Switch or whatever, but, like, am I going to? Probably not. And if there was, oh, here's this new definitive way to play Super Metroid, and it's it's better for these reasons, or it's more accessible for these reasons, and it's new and everyone's talking about it, like, that that is more attractive. And, like, I get the desire to want to make that game. You know, it's interesting, though, that in two fiscal years, this also does this rumor also doesn't mention Metroid Prime 4. Oh, Metroid Prime 4 has got to be more than two fiscal years away. That's a 2023 game. <laughs> that, that is two fiscal years away. 2023 is two fiscal years. Oh. Because oh, yeah, the right. next fiscal year is 2021, and then the next one after that would be, 20, would be into 2023. It will be 2020 into 2021. And then twenty one, twenty one into yeah, no, no. Would it that be would holiday twenty twenty three? Because I'm talking about holiday. Oh, you're if it was a, all it, the way that no, it wouldn't be holiday. Yeah, 2020. if it was a holiday twenty twenty three, that would be three fiscal yeah. years out, and that makes sense to me. Well, so we've got a Metro game of every year coming up, which makes sense, I guess, because we've potentially got a Zelda game every year and now. They there'd be two super different Metroid games too. It's okay. Here's the trilogy. If you want to replay those games or play them for the first time, and then cool, you really like that last year. Here's, here's I'm totally a- down for that because I've never played Metroid Prime and it's a, it's, I've been waiting for this trilogy to drop for ages because I really want to play them. My thing is I don't I don't know how much I put stock in this rumor because I not to throw shade or anything like that, but like Leaky Pandy has really not like delivered on their promise of being like leakers. Um, so like this seems a little suspect to me out of nowhere. However, um, to your point earlier, AJ, I think that these are things that make a ton of sense. So if they are true, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Yeah. All right. So moving along out this week on uh, Friday, November 29th, we've got five nights at Freddy's one through four. Uh, they're all coming out at eight bucks a piece. So yeah, it's solid. That's a solid addition to the, uh, to the library for sure. And another opportunity for these games to sell like a million fucking copies a piece. So these are terrifying. I've never played them. They are. They're legitimately scary. (laughs) This is upsetting for me because, uh, my friend Dan Seibert of that cyber channel makes five nights at freddy's videos and he said he was like hey if five nights at freddy's comes out on the switch you got to make a video with me about it and i'm like but i don't <laughs> want to ever play these games i just i don't want to cry <laughs> just, just have no desire to do that <laughs> they are really really unnerving like they're very good i don't know that i would describe them as fun <laughs> Like they're they're fun to play with other people if you're not playing. I was gonna playing. say it looks like it would be fun to go. Hey, look at this cool game with the teddy bear, and you just give it to someone, and they have no idea what the hell it is, and then they play it, and they're terrified. Like they my favorite memory of playing Five Nights at Freddy's is years and years ago. I used to work for a website uh, called GameCoop, and we did uh, an Extra Life stream, 
And at night, we started playing horror games. And a friend of mine uh, who worked for the site was, was streaming the original Five Nights at Freddy's for one of his shifts. And uh, one of the guys, we had like a group of like 10 or 15 people that were there taking turns so that we could like sleep and eat and not die. And uh, one of the guys was like, all right, I'm going to go take my nap. Like, you know, I'll be back in like an hour or two. And he pretends to go upstairs and he comes back down, creeps behind the monitor that he was playing on and waits and then just jumps out at one of the jump scares. And this clip of of my friend he screamed like at the top of his lungs bloody murder terrified and it, it was amazing and like that is i think the best environment for these games it's like play with somebody and like see how far we can get and like get scared together and laugh at each other like if you're playing it by yourself it's just scary it's just scary uh all right so that same day we've got where the water tastes like wine uh which is in narrative adventure game uh, that we saw in one of those indie directs forever ago. And looks utterly gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's it looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, and like the kind of pull quote about it is, it's a game about traveling, sharing stories, and surviving manifest destiny. So it's like this weird combination of this like 3D overworld map of like the US and then like the actual interactions with characters were all like hand-drawn 2d visuals and stuff it's got this very like you know it's it's like depression era united states but like mixed with like classic american folklore so there's like a wolf man in one of the screenshots and you know like uh, a, a, a seemingly like a wizard or a mage doing tarot cards with you and stuff so it, it's got this very very interesting kind of thing uh vibe to it and it's all about like how stories evolve and take on a life of their own and everything. So it, it seems like a game to, to keep an eye on. It was definitely one that caught my eye uh, when they first showed it off. So I would love to pick this one up. Don't know that I'll have time for it right now, but it's definitely a game I think I'll try to pick up and play on like the holiday break or whatever. Yeah, I remember this game after seeing the screenshots, like hearing the title, I was like, what? And then I saw the Wolfman. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember this. <laughs> I remember this guy. Who can forget a Wolfman, you know? Does that do anything for you, Steve? That feels like a maybe like a U game. Yeah, I think it actually might be. Um, again, it's just time at the moment as to, as to whether I go for it. But I love narrative-driven games. It's been a while since I played one, and I could I could maybe get into this. I don't know why, like, all of the games this year are coming out in, like, the... like last three months it's been it's the back half it's been crazy yeah and and the and the front half of next year is crazy as well and it's like when where have we got any time to play presumably that dead space before the ps5 and the next xbox comes out i honestly hope there is a fucking dead space at this point man it's like jesus christ i got games from like two years ago i'm still trying to play i still haven't played red dead redemption (laughs) (laughs) i just gotta find a hundred hours to sneak in that little beauty yeah, it's 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 a problem, and it's it feels like gaming like five years ago, where it was like there was nothing for six months, and then all the new stuff at once. The last game I really enjoyed playing was um, Kent's Hyrule. That was the last time I played a game all the way through, and I really, really was just like, "This is," and I want that again. Fire Emblem, I know I need to play, but it's just been this since then. It's really been nothing that's like gone. Yeah, that's what I want. 
we're gonna talk about that in the in the the main topic when we get into the mailbag. So I'll I'll, I'll save I'll save okay. any comments there okay. until then. Uh, okay, so uh, on Tuesday, December third, we got Farming Simulator twenty. I don't know why this franchise is such a big deal, but it is, and I know people were stoked about it coming to Switch. So as much as I like farming games, this is just not the one for me. Okay, my uh, dad but... loves these games. He's not the only one. I'm not throwing shade. I just don't get it. I really don't. The same as all the other simulators, the construction simulator, the bus simulator, the truck driver one. I just don't understand the fascination with them. But I don't. Uh, And then on Thursday, December 5th, 2019, we've got Alien Isolation. Um, You know, well-known horror game that had a lot of problems has since been patched no 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 that's the other one oh wait this is the good one this is the one ign gave it a low score everybody else loved it and you know people are like ign you're the worst site this is not colonial marines Uh this is this is a good game this is the one that came that that uh the dlc came out later right where you could play through the original like with the original crew and everything i'm not sure I think it is. This yeah, loaded good. with seven DLCs, including Last Survivor of Ellen Ripley's final mission. Yeah. Here's my thing. I never played this game. It was terrifying. I, I kind of want to, so I might get this on Switch. Yeah, there's these, like, I don't I don't know if they're in, the, like, Alien. I've only ever seen the original Alien, and I don't think they were in that. These, like, creepy guys with white masks, and they, like, find you when you, like, hide in closets and stuff and pull you out of it and, and kill you. It's horrendous. Gross. It's really scary. That sounds great. Let's do it. All right. So moving along into our main topic this week, we're diving back into the mailbag uh, because you guys wrote in again with a lot of good stuff. So uh, let's hit it. First one is uh, over from my email, which again, if you want to get in touch, you can hit me up at Pete at Lupots.com and uh, have your thoughts right on the air, just like Asobi did. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I like this email. He says, hey there, Pete, Steve, and the other one. So that's that's intended to be a dig at Pixel, but it actually works. This way. So <laughs> I'm the other one. <laughs> Joke's on you, Asobi. <laughs> Here's my questions for this week. Uh, one, if you could choose one thing out of Pokemon Sword and Shield, be it a Pokemon, a feature, or a location, and call it your favorite thing in the game so far, who or what would it be? The wild AJ, area. why don't you start? The wild area, dude. It's the best part. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd give it to the wild area, too. The only other thing I could think of would just be... Uh... Ice Cube, obviously. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> uh, I, I, Copperage is my favorite new Pokemon, for what it's worth. But um, Oh, I think yeah, like, that... what's up with that? Like, the, the different regions and stuff? Are we going to get India next time, man? Yo, I hope so. I really hope so. I would love a Pokemon game set exclusively in the desert. That would be fucking rad. I'm down. Um, or at least mostly, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say the wild area is like an emblematic of the thing I like the most about this game, which is like opening it up a little bit, like, you know, giving us a little bit more, uh, a longer leash, mm-hmm. you know, to explore and, and kind of create our own story. Right. Uh, okay, part two, he says, since December is quite tame with the new game releases and will be a good month to get that infamous gaming backlog smaller, which games would be next on your backlog list that you could and maybe even will play next month? So I think this is, like, aimed specifically at, like, January, right? Like, in that Christmas post, you know, year break, what games are you looking to get back to? I need to finish Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> and Link's Awakening, <laughs> I also need to finish that. There you go. 
I, yeah, I haven't finished Link's Awakening. I've got Luigi's Mansion to play. Uh, maybe Pokemon if I do end up picking it up. There's Fire Emblem. If, if. You oh, promised me you. twice oh, now yeah, on the air well, that you would you know, buy the game, and now you're just like, eh. My promises mean nothing. Apparently. Um, <laughs> I really want to pick up uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. I was going to get a digital version, but there's a limited run release coming out, which is up for pre-order next Friday, so I'm probably going to end up getting that, which I don't think will arrive until, like, April. Um, I heard good things. Parker likes it. <laughs> and then there's Pillars of Eternity. I might get up, and I really want to play Return of Oberdin. I think I'm going to play Return of Oberdin with my with my dad over Christmas because that's the kind of game that he would love. So this this one. Uh, oh, and then Asobi f- finishes it off saying, "Just kidding." With that intro, hope all three of you are having a wonderful day. Love y'all, Asobi. Love you too, Asobi. Thanks for writing in. I love you too, uh, even though I don't know who you are. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how this whole internet thing works, man. Uh, but then Left Eye Lazy, aka Matt, over on the Discord said, "With the release of Pokemon and No More First Party Nintendo on the immediate horizon, what games have you missed in 2019 that you're excited to give time to in December? Don't heckle Steve about Fire Emblem. Don't miss that brand. <laughs> That's why up. I had to throw that part in there. Yeah. So it's basically <laughs> the same question. Uh, for me, I am. There's a few games I missed in 2019 that I'm looking to play in December. Um, I would say Jedi Fallen Order. I just picked that up now that oh, I'm done with yeah, Pokemon." I'm really looking forward to playing that. I really want to play Outer Worlds, which was a game I was like hugely excited for. Haven't given it any time yet. Um, those are both games that I would say I really got to get time to in December. Uh, as as well as I need to play Life is Strange 2 because the last episode comes out in December 8th. I've stacked them up because I played the first one. I loved it, and I was like, I don't want to deal with this random-ass release schedule. I'm going to play it all at once when it's done like I did with the original, and like that's where I'm at with it. Um, so I got to get that done. And then After Party, which is the game that came uh, – the second game from the people that did Oxenfree. I can't remember the name of the developer right now. Um, but that's another, like, adventure-style, you know, choosy narrative game that I've been waiting to play. Um, so those are the games I'm definitely trying to hit in December. To answer Asobi's question of, like, what are the games on my backlog I want to try to get to in January, uh, it's Prey from Arcane, which is from, like, oh two years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love Arcane. I need to play the game. Never got around to it. Want to go back. Uh, and then actually God of War is a game that I started and then immediately met my girlfriend and became way less interested in playing video games every night. So <laughs> I never finished that one either. Uh, and I went back and knocked out Last of Us this year. So I'm like, I got to go back and knock out those Sony exclusives that I never played. You know? I've got so many of those Sony exclusives. I also want to play Out of Worlds. But I also want to play Outer Wilds. Outer Wilds, yeah. Oh, and then and then Disco Elysium, I want to play too. Disco Elysium is meant to be great, um, but that's a PC only game, right? I am I I have no way yeah, to play it. Yeah, it's PC only right now, and I'm like, yeah. mm, I'm do still, I get it? I'm still waiting for the release date for CrossCode as well. I can't wait for that to come in. But yeah, Jedi oh Fallen Order is on there. Too many games, bro. Too many games. And then you get to next year, and it's just like, oh, cool. The first three months of the year, like, all of the major releases that we're aware of. Mm. And then, like, it's, it's, it's not it's, even... Honestly, Cyberpunk, Doom, and Animal Crossing is going to keep me occupied for the entire year. So I really have no idea whether I'm getting any time to play anything else. And there's, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Watch Dogs, and... Uh... Watch Dogs has been pushed, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's later that year, not... Oh, no, yeah, you're right. So it's not in Q1. Final Fantasy VII is, though. That's, like, right in that same it window. Is, yeah. It's too much. It's fucked up. It's too it's much. It's too much, man. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so this next one comes from Ram, who's one of our patrons and one of our boosters over on Discord. Uh, so shout-outs to Ram. Uh, Pete, what character do you think y'all – do you all think changed the best from Smash 64 through Ultimate? So what character – this is a good question for you, AJ, as a, as a, a real Smash aficionado. What is a character who existed in Smash 64 that has changed for the best to Ultimate? Okay, so – the the question as far as like what character there's there's two different ways that I interpret this one like most improved and two just the best one you know Pikachu best one period period no questions asked uh, okay. most improved maybe Yoshi maybe Yoshi because Yoshi's really Yoshi's kind of dumb in this game especially online because like he just gets back to the stage for free because his jumps are super armored which is ridiculous. Yoshi's stupid, man. You could just fling the C stick and you win, dude. So Yoshi, Yoshi and Pikachu. Yeah, I don't really know. Like, I feel like I just adapt to what characters are good in each game. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I, I can't really think about like whose play style because like I guess I guess Link would be my answer because in the original game I didn't play Link that much, and then he's my main now. Yeah. So I guess Link. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly just looking at prominence because like yeah. I see like and also Luigi. Luigi's a worthwhile one to put in there. Um, I see a lot of people use those characters, but most of the other uh like OG Smash sixty four characters are more like fringe picks. Like there's like Fatality Falcon, like he plays Captain Falcon, but it's like a novel thing because like who really uh, wants to Jigglypuff. use Falcon? Yeah, that too with Jigglypuff. <laughs> Even though Jigglypuff, <laughs> Jigglypuff got is- buffed. So it's a competitive force. I don't know, man. Maybe Jigglypuff's making a return. Maybe Hungrybox will also dominate Ultimate. <laughs> Doubt it, but maybe. <laughs> maybe so. Anything for this one, Steve? No, I I never played Smash on N64 ever. Oh wow! Uh, the game we always played was Goldeneye. That was all we ever played when I went around Fair to enough. my friend's house as a kid. So odd job is your. <laughs> 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 That hat throwing thing, man. What a what a what a move. Uh, all right, so this next one comes from DJ the Content Lewis himself, one of the Loot Pots crew. Uh, his first question is, why did it take this long for either AJ or Parker to get on the show? That's true. Why? You know, we talked about this. Inquiring minds the show. need to know. We record the show <laughs> at seven in the morning, and Parker has a job, and you need to sleep at some point. I know you're up until four in the morning every day. That you know what those are good, uh, important facts. But at the same time, you need to realize uh, the Parker job thing. Too, not too much you can get around that. But I work an unhealthy amount, and if you told me, "Hey, dude, you want to be on the podcast?" I would just not sleep. You know. <laughs> well, then you know what. You know what, AJ? I'm gonna I'm gonna take this mirror and hold it up to you again, and I'm gonna say to you what you said to me. Hey man, if you want to come on the show, I, just ask. No, this is a lie. This I never, is a lie. I never thought. I, always, I don't think to ask anybody. Okay. So you know, any any crossover <laughs> audience that we have. How long have I been on this campaign? We literally said that we're going to get Yoshi eggs and metaphorically egg the Loot Pots website until we get our invite. <laughs> we have. Hey, you're here. It's been a whole bit for so long that we were like, yo, we want to be on Loosecast and stuff, man. But it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen until now, you know? 
Hey, I invited you both too. Parker just couldn't make it. We'll, we'll you, make it a more regular but, thing. But I promise. I, I promise. Again, it, it took uh, me and me and Max speaking slander in his Twitch stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. If you had just come out and been like, "Yo, man, I want to come on the show this week," I'd be like, "All right, cool. Come on through." You know what? The even more blasphemous thing is that Luis. <laughs> God came on here before we did. That's just insanity, man. You know how long we've been putting up with Max to speak the good name of Loot Pots on our podcast? And this is the the way you repay us by by like robbing our guests and putting them on your show before us? Okay. <laughs> oh my god. I promise I'll invite you on at least Two more times before we have Luis back. Okay. Okay. Except well, I'm gonna hold you to that. This is recorded. Don't edit this out. You yeah, hear me, no, DJ? Don't edit this, this out. Is pub- this is public. Oh my god. All right. So, uh, second question. Gaming is all about positivity. At least I hope so. But that doesn't go without some disappointment. What games could be recent or all time disappointed you the most? The first game that always comes to mind when someone asks me like this type of question is Spore. Oh, that, oh yeah, that was that really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a Maxis game, I think, and uh, yeah, it. I liked it, but the promise of it was so much less than the reality. It was the kind of thing where I was like, I beat the whole game in like a weekend, and was like, okay, I don't want to do the space stuff anymore. This isn't fun. So, like, bit bit of a disappointment. Uh, in recent years, I try to make it a point to be as informed as possible in a game before I go in it. That's why, like, a pet peeve of mine is when YouTubers are like, X game really disappointed me. And it's like, but, like, it's your job to make sure everybody else isn't disappointed. Like, you're supposed to let them know the information. You're not supposed to be shocked by how bad a game is. Um, The one game that in the last few years I didn't really pay that much attention to as far as gameplay goes, but I saw, like, the cinematic trailer and I was like, that game looks like it could be cool before I know what it is. And that's Recore. I wanted that game to be like Xbox's uh, like Uncharted yeah. situation because the cinematic trailer looked freaking dope. They had Metroid people in that making that game. I was like, okay, I'm sold. This game looks awesome. And then it came out and it was like a man like like PlayStation Two era double A level game, which it was like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good enough. Wasn't what you expected. Yeah. So that that would be my answer. What about you, Steve? Uh, so the the obvious one that springs to mind is No Man's Sky. I remember getting that on day one oh. and being so like hyped for it, like oh, I'm gonna be able to see people online, it's gonna be so good. And there was just like nothing to do. It was really, I was like, what what am I even doing here? But that's like had a real like turnaround, and that game's meant to be great now. Um, so that that's like a real redemption story. And the other one was um, Hidden Agenda. Which is like the f- oh, the follow up game from the people that made Until Dawn, and yeah. they did this like weird PS4 thing where you could like connect to this website and you like it was this PlayLink thing and you had to download this app and it was just not very good and it crashed all the time and then we like lost parts of the story and then everyone that was there playing the game just like got bored and fed up with it and we never ended up finishing it and finding out what happened because the the software was just terrible. I got two more that I, that came to mind. Uh, Pokemon Black and White, because that's the only generation of Pokemon games I can, I've can. i never been able to bring myself to finish. Oh, wow. I do not like them. I'm so not into the pacing. And, uh, yeah, so... I think the only Pokemon game... And this is weird, because I like, like Heart Gold so much. The only Pokemon game that the pacing, like, 
was a huge problem for me was Diamond and Pearl. Because it feels like that game goes mm. so fast in the first, like, four, like, the first half. And then the last half drags on for so long. And it's like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. some of the history of it is interesting. And, like, you're learning about, like, the like from the Candlelight Library and all that stuff. That's neat. I'll give you that, but I I was more bothered by five where I feel like it's front loaded in that way, mm. where like the first three gyms feel like they take forever, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I just I could I, like I always fall off around that halfway point, mm-hmm. you know. Like I get to like the fourth gym and I'm just like, oh, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. It's not fun. Yeah, um, I can see that. So I, I, yeah, uh, and then the other one that came to mind was Mass Effect Andromeda. I oh, love yeah. Mass Effect. And Andromeda was just like, ugh, this open world stuff, and like the animations were not great at launch, and it was janky, and it was just like, oh man, like what a letdown, what a letdown. I think people will probably like put Anthem in with that as well. It was meant to be Bioware's same deal, huge Destiny style game, and it just didn't live up to the hype. My thing is with Anthem, I I smelled blood in the water for that like way before it was obvious there was a problem like i was like i don't get what this is i don't feel like it has a strong sense of identity like i'm not connecting with it and then when it was like oh it's bad and it's half baked i was like yeah that makes sense that that was the vibe i got from it so mass effect like i wanted to believe that it would be good even with the controversy and it was just like ah, this is not this is not what i want out of a mass effect game you know yeah I want to run down a hallway, shoot some dudes, and then get get a cutscene. <laughs> like that's that's what I want. <laughs> All right, so this next one comes. Max, <laughs> yes, yeah, next one comes from Max. Who's that? I don't know. Uh, he's some guy who is too busy to do anything for loot pots, but is streaming now apparently. Oh, so I don't. Yeah, yeah. that son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, uh, Max says, my question is. Two different Dream Switch games are announced for 2020. One is an existing Nintendo IP, and one is a new IP from a Nintendo-affiliated dev. What are those games? I like this question. Mm. The, the existing IP, I think, has already been announced. We just have a date on it, which is uh, Breath of the Wild 2. <laughs> but we don't have the confirmed <laughs> and, 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 that it's coming out in like, 2020. My question is, like, does he mean something that's, like that they haven't done in a while like does it have to be like a f-zero or something like I that don't, or any I don't think nintendo it has to can i just say the gen 4 remakes can i just say that <laughs> yeah i think you can say that i think okay. thing, he's saying is what are your two dream nintendo games one that's existing one that's new you know what another question does game freak count as a nintendo affiliated dev <laughs> for sure are you kidding me Okay, they're my Nintendo affiliated dev, and then for the Nintendo IP, uh, a new mother game. All right, I like that choice. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, oh like a mother remake in like the this new style would be I'd be all over that. that you know, I, the, I the want Link's Awakening style. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. I want mother a mother trilogy, even if they're like three separate sixty dollars games. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, of of all of the mother games in that style, that would be Ace. I would love that. Uh, similarly, I think I'm with you on those Gen 4 remakes. A Gen 4 remake in the Sword and Shield engine would be rad. Yes. And, like, will the wild area be, like, the underground? Like, is that what they're going to do? Like, yeah, like, that would be pretty cool. I'd be about that. Um, Pikmin 4, obviously. Oh, yeah. 
For, oh, that, for you're just, just repping Pixel Par over there. <laughs> I, I like I like Pikmin. I, I gotta give it to him, you know. I, I would, even I take would... Pikmin 1, 1, 2, and 3 trilogy. As a collection. Chuck them yeah. together. I'd, I'd be take fine that with too. that. I'd also love a new Mario. Like a 3D one. I was gonna say one. Super Mario Odyssey, Odyssey 2 is another yeah. one that I would really like to see. Uh, in the same way that, like, I think Breath of the Wild was begging for a sequel. Odyssey is definitely begging for a sequel. Take that engine. Give me a whole new game. No one's mentioned new IPs, though. Well, that's 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 a tougher question because like, do I just I get a new IP from a dev? Yeah, because it's like okay, uh, I I guess my answer would be intelligent systems. I really liked what they did with Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I wouldn't mind seeing them do something new. But it's also like I just got into Fire Emblem, so I want to see more Fire Emblem. I still want to like, see what Retro will do with another Nintendo. Like, give me. I still like, want. A ice climbers game. I want a modern co-op like survival ice climbers game. <laughs> <laughs> I yo, I saw somebody say something recently where they were like, "Yo, Nintendo is like just leaving money on the table, not having a Celeste style ice climbers platformer." And I was like, "Damn, that would be." Genius. They're leaving money on the table. Okay, so everybody's here is a whole big thing, and everybody's so hype about that in Smash Brothers, right? How come not everybody that's a Nintendo character in that game doesn't have a current game though? Like that's insane to me. Yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. Fire Emblem Three Houses only matters because of Smash Brothers. Like that's why it became as big as it did in the West is because Smash Brothers Melee. Oh, yeah. And they're like, who's this Fire Emblem gods? And then Smash Brothers Brawl even like exaggerated that further. And then like Fire Emblem became a thing. Same thing with Mother. Like the only reason why the first thing that came out of our mouths for the other IP was Mother is because of Smash Brothers. Absolutely. So do that with the other IP, guys. Come on. I have one other pick for an IP I'd love to see them do something new with, and that's Punch-Out. Yeah. I fucking love Punch-Out. Yeah. And there hasn't been a Punch-Out game since Wii, and what's up with that, man? Let me get a new Punch-Out. Yeah. I would I would love for Nintendo EAD to make a new IP. Like, the squad that makes Mario Odyssey. They're not even EAD anymore, you fake fan. I'm sorry. They're EPD, dude. <laughs> EPD now. <laughs> Who could forget such iconic names? <laughs> like... Because, like, the last new IP that we got from them was Splatoon, and that was awesome. Yeah. You know? Uh And, like, I don't feel like the Switch has gotten its, like... Like, what is the Switch's new Nintendo IP? And, like, ARMS, Uh, which I love. What was... uh, I was going to... See, I was going to do another uh, fake fan bit, but I can't even remember what it's called. The the other uh, game that has, like, the Miis in it, it was, like, within the first year or two of uh, Switch, it was, like, Flip something. Ah, what was it called? Uh, one two switch no it was something else it was like it. a like a me game like you, you use your me's it's like something flip or some crap i'll remember it after this podcast oh, and shit. It'll make yeah me it was angry. like they, they just dropped it in a japan uh japan direct it's like this is coming soon i remember yeah and you like stomp on the ground and you yes. like turn them red or blue yes yeah that. What the fuck? I don't remember yes, this. That's their new IP, man. That's what's next after Splatoon. You just slept on it. <laughs> <laughs> they had Sushi Striker too, right? That was sort of theirs. What did you say? Striker. Sushi, Sushi Striker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Nintendo and um 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 Indie Indie Zero or something like that. Indie Zero. Yeah, I think it was Indie Zero. It was the other studio that worked on that game? Ring Fit Adventure's new. That's a new IP. That is new. So we've had I'll that. Give you that. 
Okay. Would you like That's... want Ring Fit Adventure merged with like Punch Out, or do you want to no. keep your game separate from yeah, your no, I workout? To, I want it to be something else, something new. Mario plus uh, Rabbids is a new IP. <laughs> that is a new IP. So okay, fair enough. But I want like a new, like in the way that Splatoon was new. Yeah. In mm. the way that Arms was new, but they abandoned it. <laughs> <laughs> Did they abandon it? I feel like they supported yeah, they Arms tried for a so long hard, time. Though. They tried, but like it needs an arms too. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. No, it That's doesn't need an do. arms too. It needs a. Uh, they need uh, to just put Ribbon Girl and Smash Brothers. I know! What's wrong with that? You're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. <laughs> All right. So uh, this one comes from Twitter. This is uh, Patrick Burt um, at Lee underscore Murloc on Twitter. What's your favorite Pokeball? I'm split between Dusk, Luxury, and Primer. Gotta be Great Ball, bro. Gotta be Great Ball. Love that blue. Love that little that little notch on top. I'm all about the. Great so ball. is that is that the the parameters for this? Is like just which one we like aesthetically? Yeah. What's your favorite Pokeball? Uh, probably the Lore Ball. Lore Ball is pretty cool, dude. I like the Lore Ball a lot too. That's a good one. As far as usefulness, though, Quick Ball. Quick Ball is broken. <laughs> Quick Ball is good. Steve, what's the blue one? Is that Ultra Ball? Great Ball. Oh yeah, I like that one. There you go. You're with me. All right, the right side of history. All right, so this is the last question this week. Uh, this this is a hefty one, so dig in, boys. Uh, so this is from Chris over on the Discord. 2019 is almost over. What would you guys consider some of the best or most influential games of the decade? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's Ooh. like, oh, shit, I'm 100 years old. Let's see. What games have come out in the last 10 years? Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a list of... Major game releases by year. Skyrim's got to be up there. Yeah, are you fucking kidding me? Like that, yeah. that game, that style, that like open world, that has to be up there with like one of the most influential games. Easily. Even just uh, for me, one of the most influential games of the decade. Yeah, I think uh, another like a couple easy ones. If we want to just like knock out like again, you're talking about influential like Minecraft. Yeah, I was about to say mm-hmm. that. Fortnite's got to be in there. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Overwatch. Overwatch. Sure. Overwatch in like basically carved out a new genre of competitive shooters, like, in terms of like adding lore to it. Would you put yeah. like uh, like Telltale's The Walking Dead on there? Because like that kind of like yeah. kickstarted yeah. like a lot of the more narratively heavy games, like alongside like stuff like The Last of Us and all, like all that stuff came out around the same time. Yeah, 100%. well, and then that team went on to make Firewatch. So that alone has to, like, mean something. Also, uh, League of Legends came out in 2009. Uh, I think anybody who's paid attention to games in the last five years, like, remembers the MOBA explosion that all started with League and, like, esports really becoming what it is. That's a a huge League thing. Is it too soon to put Breath of the Wild in that list? No, it's totally, like, yeah, absolutely, man. That's definitely a game that, like, changed the game you know and like is a game that i think every game from that comes out after it is going to learn from and you know have to like take cues from mm-hmm. for sure grand theft auto 5 yeah absolutely it's the highest selling video game of all time mm-hmm. it's the it's like the best selling piece of media ever right it was made more money yep. than anything ever on the planet it's mental yeah uh, there's also Uncharted. Um, the when Last did Uncharted of Us. first come out? 
I think the let's see. But I think that's it? just before 2010 started. That might started. have been, the original Uncharted was 2007. Yeah. But Uncharted two is 2009 and three is 2011. Um, if you were gonna pick one of those games, like you'd probably pick two to represent the franchise. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Age Origins for me. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, Borderlands, Mass Effect, Just Dance. I think you've got to say stuff like um, Gone Home or What Remains of Edith Finch to all those two games. Like, yeah, you know, like Stardew Valley has to be in there. That game's like an absolute indie darling. Yeah. Is Undertale? Where did that slam? Yeah, Undertale's definitely in the last 10 years for sure, man. Uh, Red Dead Redemption, Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, you know, it's like, like, Jesus Christ, man, you know, like, and this is just like, we're just scratching the surface here, you know, like, what, like, what else we got? Um, Mario Kart 8? Super Meat Boy. Super Meat Boy? Hell yeah, dude. Mm -hmm. Fucking, like, all of, uh, basically every major indie game that's ever been made. Mm -hmm. So, like, Shovel Knight. uh, Splunky. Shovel Knight's a great one, yeah. I think you've got to put Splatoon in there as well as that first big new IP that was successful for Nintendo. And like probably their, their biggest game, new game for the Wii. Also, the probably one of the only shooters to proliferate in Japan. Like that, mm-hmm. that yeah. that's like the game there and it's a shooter. Like that's wild. <laughs> uh, I'd give shout outs to Far Cry 3. Yeah. Uh, Dishonored. What else? What, uh, this is the thing, like, right? Like, it's so... I don't want to forget things. Uh, I would... One of the Fire Emblem, whether it's Awakening or Three Houses, like, probably depends on Did your... Did they do anything crazy that wasn't, like, influenced by earlier games, though? I mean, I think the it's... crazy part is just that they were successful. <laughs> like, the, uh, yeah. the other Fire Emblem games before Awakening just kind of, like, flash in the pan. Yeah, I mean... Fire Emblem is a, is a franchise that went from being almost canceled to being one of Nintendo's pillar franchises, yeah. you know. So I, th- I think I'd have to give it give it a, a shout out there. Uh, Hearthstone, yeah, that yeah. came out in this period. Uh, Destiny, uh, three different Smash Brothers games. <laughs> uh, the Witcher three, Bloodborne. Uh, oh, um, Dark Souls. Metal Gear Five. I want to. What about um, Jackbox Party Pack? When did the first one of those land? Because that to me is another big one. It's Literally like, all of them have come out since then. Yeah. Because yeah. the... that's changed the way like parties and stuff are for me now. Like you have friends yeah. around rather than like maybe getting a board game out or whatever. We just we goof around and play some of that while we're having some drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn would probably be in that conversation in terms of being like the first successful new IP that Sony rolled out from their internal studios on the PS4. Uh, Persona Five. How dare mm-hmm. you? What about Bloodborne, man? Bloodborne's dope. <laughs> that's not. Bloodborne's that's not, not internal. From their studio. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's J- they published it. Is Japan Studios or whatever? Yeah, right. Like they published it. Don't get me wrong, but like that gorilla. It's like a from. Is, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a Sony studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta ch- you gotta check some mobile games in there as well, like Candy Crush and stuff. Like it was Poke- like a Pokemon revolution. Go. Yeah, Pokemon Where did Angry Go. Birds come out? 
<laughs> I, I, I think Angry Birds would actually be in this conversation for 10 years. Like, it's got to be. No, I think it's probably just before 2008, 2009. What the? The first thing that auto populates in Google is the movie. <laughs> it says May 20th, 2016. That's not That right. is. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> yeah, so I, I hope we scratched the surface there. I mean, I think we hit a lot of, like, the major ones, but it, the whole thing is it's been, you know, it's been a hell of a decade for gaming, honestly. Yeah. You know? Um, some real heavy hitters in the last 10 years. And uh, it's weird because, like, at the end of the year, I think we always, like, you get in that mode of, like, waxing poetic about the past and everything and, like, thinking about the next generation that we're about to come into and, like, how exciting a time it is for video games right now. Like, it was a great last decade. I'm even more excited to see where it goes from here, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thanks for thanks for writing in with that one, Chris. I like that that question. Um, it, was, it was a head-scratcher. One that I wish I had more time to prepare for, honestly, because <laughs> I'm sure there are some games that uh, that I'm missing here. But what's the most influential game for both of you, though? Like, not even maybe in the last decade. What's the one game that you kind of can say this means a lot to me? This influences my gaming habits today. Honestly, Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> like, it's the only game that I have stuck to for this long, probably in my life ever. Like, mm-hmm. I've consistently played Smash Brothers at least twice a week since it came out. And that has not been a thing since, what, early high school for me? So, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're narrowing it down to one game, it would be, it would have to be Pokemon. You yeah. Know? Um, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing video games if it wasn't for my Pokemon obsession as a child. And yeah. It's the only franchise that I've never miss an entry except for black and white um, How dare you? i bought them i tried them but uh yeah pokemon's been a constant in my life in a way that no other video game has been you know yeah i'd, I'd have to agree with that because a big reason why i play smash Bros. so much is because of pokemon trainer like just because mm-hmm. i like that character so much like that's why that game clicks with me because that character's in there and he's good so it really makes me want to play that game more so yeah pokemon also but I will say uh, the the 10-year limit, like Dragon Age Origins, has got to be that game for me um, because uh, that game got me back in the door in a big way alongside Arkham Asylum. But like that is the – for all the problems that game has, that kind of game is the pinnacle of what I want out of a video game really is I, I love third-person story-driven action games where I get to make choices. You know, like that is exactly what I want out of a video game nine times out of ten. Yeah, the la- in the last ten years, the game for me is is The Last of Us. It's um, I went through a big. We spoke about on After Dark when you were playing the game, but um, it was during a period where I hadn't played video games for years, really, not like properly. And then my boyfriend at the time was playing it, and I was I was watching it, and I was like really interested in what it was. And then I just picked the game up, and I couldn't stop playing it. Um, in terms of influential games of probably all time, I would say probably something like Diablo or Age of Empires. My gaming habits started on like PC, um, and those games like still hold a big place in my heart because of how much I played them when I was a kid. All right, so this this is I think now legitimately the longest episode in podcast history. So, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, hey, this was episode 50, so uh, don't apologize to me. Apologize to DJ. He's the one editing this one. <laughs> sorry, DJ. God, Pete, if you hadn't spoken about comics for 30 minutes, we'd have been fine. 
Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're calling back that joke. Great, thanks. Uh, so yeah, so thank you, AJ, for joining us here on episode 50. Thank you, listeners, for joining us here for 50 wonderful episodes of the Potscast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this extra long episode. Um, I'm going to say it's an anniversary episode, so that's why it's so long. Look at that, milestones. Also a holiday. Uh, it's so- a holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Here's your Thanksgiving game. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Here's your super long episode. While you're out Black Friday shopping, you can listen to this. Uh, so thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you making us a part of your week every week. If you want to help the show out, remember you can hit us up uh, with a like on your audio platform of choice. Make sure you give us a subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you know when these shows go live every week. Uh, if you want to connect with us, there are a lot of ways to do that. We're at Lupots on Twitter. We're at Lupots.com. Uh, Lou Potts on YouTube and Twitch and all that fun stuff that I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, so I'm not going to belabor those points. Uh, if you want to connect with us in a more intimate way, make sure you head over and join the Discord chat where we are all a Twitter about Pokemon. We're trading. We're battling. Come be a part of it. Come connect. Ask us questions. Get them right on the air. Hit me up at Pete at LouPotts.com if you want to get your questions right on the air like Asobi did. Um, and last but not least, head over to patreon.com slash where you can help us keep the lights on and get access to our patron exclusive show after dark, where we talk about stuff besides video games. So, uh, actually, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to, uh, ask you right now, AJ. Yes. You got enough time to record that show? Sure. <laughs> All right. So catch AJ on this episode of after dark and, uh, we'll catch you next time for another episode of the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We love you. Kisses. Bye.